Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of what we are calling There's Something Up There, Rachel. We are an X-Files podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm joined with my girlfriend, Rachel, a major Enneagram expert. That's kind of informed some of our viewing. Yeah, that's been really fun going into this, and I hope that gets to come up a good bit while we're, I'm sure it will, as we're talking mm-hmm. about X-Files. Um, my, one of my niches and even what I studied was uh, theology, and I love that in X-Files we're also going to deal quite a bit with that as well as philosophy when it comes to at least how I see it through, um, yeah, for viewing it fresh and, and viewing it from the perspective of Scully and Mulder and their differences. So that's kind of where my head's been at after we just finished re-watching the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say that I, uh, I've i got a little bit, I think, more of the fantastical sort of aspect, sort of, um, you know, I, uh, from my perspective, you know, I'll, I'll believe anything with enough supporting evidence, you know, but you, you, you've got to get me there, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So does that mean you feel, uh, more closely kin to Mulder or Scully at this point? <laughs> well, I guess it's hard to say because Scully seems like she's doing everything possible to not believe, right? Sure. As, uh, uh, I guess coming from a, coming from an episode one perspective, um, right. this is the, the pilot episode airing September 10th, 1993. So I would have been three years old at that wow. point. Wow. Two yeah. years old here. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so funny. Um, it seems like, you know, Scully, yeah, I guess she, she was, you know, sort of hogtied into believing, uh, the, the supporting evidence, uh, uh, in episode one was so great that it seems like, um, that she was really on board with Mulder, but he's just kind of willing to, I think he, he, he also needs to be shown the supporting evidence. He's not, let's, let's not, you know, misunderstand. He does need to see evidence, but he also, I think is more willing to seek out the fantastical. He's willing to go in for it. Absolutely. So to speak. Well, how much do our viewers do you think they they know at this point? Like, do we need to give any background to what's happening in this? Like, how the episode opens up? So, yeah. So, I mean, uh, a real brief synopsis. We're introduced kind of to our uh, main characters. Uh, uh, Dana Scully, she's a medical doctor working uh, in the FBI um, in their sort of training facility. Um, and let me just go ahead and just yeah. drop it right here that Scully, this there's this problem, this mysterious thing happening in the woods, and then we pan over to Scully coming up the stairs in some FBI office mm-hmm. with her big pantsuit, big <laughs> '90s pantsuit, and um, yeah, a lot of big '90s energy. A lot of big '90s whole, energy in this whole. You know, we're 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 up to we're up to the end of season two almost. Well, I even get this first impression when you. You know, when you first see a character, there's, a, I think, a lot that they're yeah. putting into how they appear. Well, the, yeah, 100%. The way that they want them to come across to the audience. And Scully, even her hair being as rigid, it's rigid. It's very straight and mm-hmm. perfect. A lot of moose went into that hairstyle. And it's hardly moving. It's just like kind of one big rectangle on her head. Um, and then she gets into the office. And as soon as she is 
kind of given this assignment to work with this infamous uh, Mulder guy. Spooky Mulder, as Spooky they call him. Mulder. Uh, she knows everything that she needs to know already mm -hmm. about him. She's quite studied, and you just know she, you know, she knows her stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She. Uh, she seems to be as studied uh, about him as he seems to uh, actually be about her. So in the next scene, after she gets her uh, detail, not explicitly stated to debunk the X Files, but uh, sure. stated to debunk the X Files effectively. You know, you've got the mysterious uh smoking man in the corner who is a character we'll learn more about later um i'm not sure if you see uh district um chief scott blevins after this episode not really sure he's the guy who gave scully her detachment there um hmm. but you kind of are introduced to your key players you know the smoking man obviously makes reoccurring appearances uh obviously Mulder and scully are your your main characters there um but yeah, he seems pretty studied up on her as well. So he's not, uh, you know, he's not, we're not going in blind here. Absolutely. Um, the kind of, I guess one of the interesting things from my perspective is just how, just their credentials, you know, I, I it seems to me like I'll, I'll be watching episodes and I'll forget that Scully is a medical doctor that uh Mulder has his doctorate in psychology and they're they're both as studies that, as they are you know at the time of filming um Gillian Anderson was 24 so I'm willing to you know I, I'm I'm betting that uh Dana Scully was around the same age probably mm -hmm. um and she's already you know two years medical doctorate you know it doesn't it's <laughs> It doesn't seem possible to, you know, do your undergrad and get your doctorate in the amount of time that it would take. So maybe in the show, she's a little bit older, maybe 26, 28. Sure. Yeah. But I, mm -hmm. I believe that Mulder, David Duchovny being around 32 at the time of filming, probably comes off more professional, I guess, so to speak. But even then, I, I forget all the time that like they are, you know, they're, they are accomplished, you know, in their, in their, in their fields. I am wondering too if just the motives behind the uh, the FBI with asking like with assigning her to Mulder in that isn't that the first thing that they're talking to her about is why why are you in the FBI now yeah like she's this distinguished medical graduate and she's decided to mm -hmm. step into FBI but then they kind of handpick her yeah and I I was thinking more about that and wondering like. Are we going to kind of see more of why later on? Mm -hmm. And I and I don't know that I could say I've seen anything else yet, but that's something that's on my mind. Yeah. 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 I'd be interested to uh, to see if we get sort of uh, some closure on why she was sort of handpicked. Right. You know. So something I wanted to point out, too, is that so you have Scully's first uh, impression uh, and then Mulder's comes after. Mm hmm. And you walk into, or Scully's going to look for Mulder because she's been assigned to him. And she's going to go talk to him. So she goes down to this office somewhere in the basement, it feels like. And it is in the basement. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the first thing she's seeing are those I want to believe posters. Yeah. Which you didn't actually notice until way later. I think, yeah, I think it just kind of, I missed it. I don't yeah. know if I was distracted, but um, mm -hmm. I did start to notice them later. But I love that that's right there in your face. Yeah while Mulder has kind of zero interest in 
in Scully or he's coming across like that, yeah. but yet he's also fully studied of who she is mm -hmm. as she introduces herself. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating because he, and maybe this is like part of my um, impression of Mulder that comes later on, but Mulder is very much a work alone kind of guy. Yeah. And very lone wolf. Yes. Ironic with his name being Fox. Right. Lone wolf. <laughs> lone Fox. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved this time watching it a second time through. Mulder came across to me as he's very bouncy and kind of just like ready to shake her up mm -hmm. and stands very firm in what he already thinks and his theories and being this yeah. X-File guy. Um, so it just flips on the, the projector and is like, all right, yeah. go ahead. He's tell me what to, you think. Yeah. He's ready to introduce him to, or introduce her to his world. Yeah. But, but that surprises me because he doesn't, I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but he just doesn't show himself to be that way with pretty much anybody else. So I wonder if there's like, I mean, I know that you can tell they both have mutual respect, even in their playfulness there. Mm -hmm. They both, um, are like, yeah, they have respect for each other's work and for their credentials. And they're both like listing them off to each other, you know? Yeah. So I almost wonder if he super like, if he really invites that in her because of the contrast or because of um, how he can kind of wield her skills in with his, yeah, you know, with her being something totally different. It's almost like he's just kind of willing to be like, all right, whatever, come for, call on for the ride and I'm ready to like shatter all the things you think. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you, you've got to wonder, um, speaking from, uh, and I guess we'll, we'll start bringing this up, um, from an Enneagram perspective, if he isn't more of a five wing six, cause he has sure. that super investigative nature yeah. about him, which is indicative of the five. Um, but like you mentioned, he has that playfulness too which right. maybe isn't necessarily a six trait exclusively. Yeah. But uh, it's in there. Yeah. And for, I mean, for anyone who knows Enneagram, you could start to see the things we're talking about really quickly. Um, but because, yeah, there is so much character setting, so much setting up of the characters mm -hmm. and character development in the first episode, more than I even remembered, that Mulder, Mulder is definitely showing to be um a what we would see as a type five in the enneagram and he's this very observant um knowledge gathering keep to yourself um guy he, and he doesn't doesn't really care a whole lot about what people think about him he's focused on what he's mm -hmm. passionate about what he already believes and he can back up anything that he believes even if it's even if it's this crazy um unexplainable activity he's still going to stand by it and um there's also a detachment i think to a healthy detachment that Mulder brings to the table that you'll see more later in the x-files he's able to be so objective mm -hmm. so objective whereas scully um i think andrew has actually pointed out that he felt that Mulder was a type five before i even said anything but I immediately followed that up with, oh, Scully is absolutely a a uh, textbook type one mm -hmm. with her 
need for black and white logic and reasons. Um, everything has a reason mm -hmm. in her book. And yeah, like there's a rigidity to her as well. So they both are really like hard, stubborn characters mm -hmm. to me, you know? Yeah. Well, and you see it in their chosen professions um, so much, you know, Scully being a medical doctor, she's searching for a lot of medical explanations for things or concrete evidence because there's so much in the body that is evidenced by in black and white, you know, this is the cause of death. You know, it's, it was, you know, be it a gunshot wound to the chest or a stroke or, or some kind of, so when you kind of put up a wall of the fantastical, you know, not really knowing what these chemical, um, not knowing what these chemical substances are in the uh, tissue area between these two little dots that we've got on our victims, uh, lower back. You know, she's starting to think there has to be an explanation. Let's find what that explanation is in a concrete way. Right. And it sort of goes up against Mulder's more subjective. I mean, in his objectivity, there is subjectiveness oh, just sure. because it deals with you know, being a psychologist. A lot of things deal with the mind, very cerebral, mm. sort of the idea of many different possible interpretations as many different interpretations as there are complexities in the human mind yeah right exactly mm -hmm. and that's where she kind of flips her lid is when they go into that um to that hospital with the mm -hmm. two patients and and Mulder really quickly like makes this observation and then the decision that hey we need to examine this girl and as soon as she overhears that the patient overhears that she flips out yeah and then they find those two marks on her back and I think Scully's just like she's flipping her lid because she doesn't know how Mulder made that observation so quickly. And she's, I think she's afraid that he knows a lot more than she does. And she's freaked out by why she can't explain this already. Well, that he also knows a lot more than he's letting on. Oh yeah. I mean, for as playful and as sort of, um, you know, inclusive as he is with trying to get her onto the bandwagon. At sure. this early stage, he's still very guarded. He's keeping a lot of things close to his chest. He's not being so forthright with her. Yeah, as we'll I think see he's waiting later to on. see. Yeah, waiting yeah. to see that he can start to share with her. Because yeah. I think he already has that yeah. belief that he can. Yeah. Um, which I love that in... Um, so when they're in the car and they're driving and there's that moment where they lose time, mm -hmm. that was striking me as the like the thorn in the flesh almost yeah. for the for turning Scully. point. Yeah. Because t like, as she, she freaks out when they're standing in the rain talking about how like, this is impossible. Like time is a universal invariant. And he's yeah. like, you well, know, like shrugs almost yeah. like, well, look, and then the here's my minutes. big X that I just like yeah. drew on the ground. Um, that's, that's probably the hardest thing for her to swallow yeah. because can you yeah can you think at that of anything point else? she's really beginning to believe right which is kind of uh it's really baked into this whole series you know the the idea of wanting to believe in the fantastical wanting to believe that there is more to this earth than what we can see be it aliens and we'll explore mm. scully's faith or lack thereof in later episodes. Yeah. But just the idea that there is more 
to life, you know, the, the ideal. And I, I think, you know, uh, a little bit of a peek behind the, uh, the curtain here, we're recording this in the, uh, the midst of, uh, the COVID-19 quarantine, but just from my, my perspective being confined to the house, you know, it's given me a lot of introspection, even more, even more introspection than I'm normally, uh, doing, um, just the idea that, you know, we are more than our jobs. We're more than our careers. We're more than our day to day, you know, right. kind of wanting to not be confined to any one label, you know? Yes. That is the experience probably for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are either forced to take stock of that or are struggling against taking stock of that because maybe they already are seeing aspects of themselves that they were never forced to confront and they don't like it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It makes X-Files feel super relevant to a lot of situations because the whole thing, the whole premise, it's setting up this quest for truth. And that's as we jump into the, uh, the opening, uh, what do you call that? I always forget. Oh, the intro, the intro mm -hmm. when you like, between Mulder's poster, I want to believe, and and then it finishing that opening intro with uh, "Truth is out there." Yeah, right. We actually don't have that intro until uh, the episode two. Yeah, I it's noticed. just uh, yeah, it's just that kind of the X Files. Yeah. This was a pilot episode. Fox would, was trying, I think, something a little bit new. Right. Yeah, like, and I. The, so you have Scully. Scully, of course, she's being that like distinguished medical um student or graduate mm -hmm. and and wanting the facts and wanting truth and and really like dedicating herself to a super hard field in general and then um and then we learn really quickly that Mulder has uh some other motives that come from his background mm -hmm. that come from his sister being what he believes to be abdu abducted mm -hmm. right and I was thinking to myself again, like with who Mulder is and they're in the hotel room and he's sharing with her like all of that. And and I think he's almost wanting to invite her into that right now because that's a real experience that he's had mm -hmm. that everything is anchored in for him to keep pursuing what he's pursuing. Yeah. And it, I'm sure it helps a lot for her, too. But um even though, you know, he doesn't seem like he gives a lot of other details. Like like you said, he's kind of holding back with, oh, you sure you want to know what yeah. I think about this? You know, but he does want her to know, mm -hmm. hey, I had a real experience, a traumatic one. And um, that's fueling everything for me. And it's very real. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think it comes from a place of wanting to know that you can trust somebody. And in that, the search for somebody that you truly feel like you can trust. I think it's a, I think it's a universal and very human concept to want to find your kind, the people who will maybe not necessarily believe that what you believe in such a strong way, but somebody that you know that you can trust, that you can share with, who won't shun you for your thoughts or beliefs. And I think that's kind of what he's searching for. Yeah. I mean, I know I would invite that with we don't know how old he's supposed to be, but gosh, he's been on this journey for a while. 
for years and years and years as the outcast in the FBI, the, the crazy, spooky Mulder mm-hmm. trying to figure things out with these unexplainable uh, phenomena. Like, and and then to have this, what I mean, she and she even does come across as a very stable person and yeah. somebody who is knowledgeable and respected. And I think like he does, he does want to invite her into that. He does need a te- he needs a partner. Yeah, to keep going. And so that's maybe really where we're finding him is like we're dropped right into years and years of Mulder working on this to meeting Scully. Yeah. Well, just even thinking about it, you know, I, I bring up the Enneagram again, you know, uh, the the wing six, the problem solver is what that's known as. Mm, and he the five wing six, the five wing six, Absolutely. Um, just the idea. I mean, he is an FBI agent, you know, it's his job to sort of demystify um crimes and that sort of parlays itself really well into the x-files where what could be more gratifying what could be more of fulfilling to a basic desire of being capable and confident than solving what the fbi has deemed unexplainable Mm -hmm. you know yeah going back to his basic fear with his sister being useless helpless or incapable Wow, definitely. Right? Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, it's revealed in, in the first, you know, about halfway through a little bit more or less um, where Scully's sort of, they're, they've come back from the woods. Scully's scared about these marks that she's seeing on her back. Turns out to be just be mosquito bites, but <laughs> he sort of unloads his full backstory. Right after sister she's is had gone this vulnerable he, moment too. Yeah, yeah, she's had her own vulnerable moment and he's sort of, laying his cards out on the table that he was paralyzed physically incapable and that's his childhood trauma Mm. to not be able to save his sister and have no idea what happened and she's gone sure yeah you get that first layer kind of peeled back for him and and scully still she just feels like a very um she feels like a very layered character to me they both are but you know, Scully's just listening at this point and is being thrown into Mulder's story. And you, in her, like, her sternness, in her, um, she's unmoving, you know, like, hardly anything scares her. And so that moment is interesting that she has those bites and she's thinking, oh my, oh my gosh, like, mm-hmm. I've also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die or something's wrong. And, um, and that's just a little quick moment of her being vulnerable, but later on, and as we keep watching, like she's she's hardly ever moved. She remains really balanced, yeah. Um, in the midst of all of the the crazy experiences that she's gonna start to have, yeah, like right, Mulder. yeah. Her world is sort of becoming turned on its head, right. where she's kind of having to be forced to confront these experiences, right? You know. And was, we see that we see that really well, really demonstrated very well in the first episode here. Right. Is that there's already it already lays out what the entire series is going to be. Yeah. That there are it these weird, unexplainable phenomena that we have to confront. Right. I was talking to my brother about X Files because he he and I neither of us grew up with it, but um we both have grown up watching a lot of film and he's had me watch a lot and I was kind of ranting on and being like, you know, you need to watch this. We've been, I've been watching it with Andrew. This is really enjoyable. And his first question was, 
you know, isn't it? It's it's really standalone episodes, right? And I, you know, was thinking about it, and I I actually had to think about it, which mm-hmm. was interesting because they are, but they're also not. In that, like you said, the first episode is giving setting everything up, and then you can kind of jump into the X Files. It feels like at any point mm-hmm. and watch an episode and and know what you need to know yeah. as the episode unfolds. But you can also take so you can enjoy so much more and take in so much more if you've been watching it from the beginning because I think they do a really good job of developing the characters. That's yeah. ongoing, even though these instances might stand alone in an episode and not carry over a ton to another one yeah well yeah and and being where we are i mean you see there i mean these standalone episodes serve to push forward their relationship mm-hmm. um they're they're obviously they're working with each other another. yeah they're working with each other every day they're learning to trust each other more there uh there's a psychological theory called the mere exposure effect where you typically are you'll you'll sort of be drawn to somebody sheerly by being in close proximity to one another that's why we'll see inner office romances with people who you're forced to work with every single day Mm. um that's why you know people are sort of i mean there's the idea that the that absence makes the heart grow fonder but also there's something to be said about being the reverse (laughs) the reverse being so close to one another throughout uh multiple days and multiple experiences and whatnot right so i mean there's an that initial animal attraction yes but the idea that you have to work so close to each other you know they're going on these multi-day out-of-town trips they're partners you know you can imagine that they are with each other the most of the day all day and they're calling each other on the phone as evidenced by uh Sort of the the last scene in the episode, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but the the last scene in the episode where he's calling her and he's like, hey, we got to talk about this stuff. You know, I mean, their lives, they are partners now. They're entrenched in that. Yeah, they are majorly entrenched, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which uh, this doesn't make it so easy for, again, with (laughs) with COVID-19 being so isolated, Mm -hmm. right? But no, I think you're right. Like the, that's why so early on even i'm already you know rooting for Mulder and scully to have some kind of romance yeah. because you expect it that you ship know? is fully sailed for oh, you oh huh? yeah <laughs> um well i'm like yeah of course i think it's it's true though you both like being in close proximity um there's less distraction and you're 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 working with this person all the time and they're learning so much about each other yeah um it's almost like the more you learn, the more you can love. Yeah, of it course. It can come out of that. So even though they're objectively working as business partners, as crime partners, I think that that's another area where there's that overarching aspect to X-Files with the characters. Yeah. Because they're not that part of, or really just like them being the anchors to our story, they don't stand alone in each episode. Like you're constantly seeing development in their relationship yeah. and with yeah their care for one another mm-hmm. that starts to blossom in the midst of trying to solve crimes and trying to help people yeah so yeah and 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 the episodes that sort of maybe don't push that as much or or i shouldn't say that but um 
it seems to me that there are about four or five episodes per season that push the overarching narrative of the show, Hmm. which has to do, I mean, we'll, you know, this is sort of going a little bit farther than the scope of episode one, but you are getting episodes that deal with non-extraterrestrial life. You're dealing with strange weirdos and, you know, um, faith healers and, and everything, all these kinds of myriad cases that are in the X-Files that don't have to do with aliens. But the episodes that sort of push this overarching narrative forward all have the one thing in common that's aliens. Yeah. It sort of is basically pushing pushing you into you know this is um this is kind of what things boil down to i mean it's it's fox's or i should say Mulder's <laughs> search for uh, yeah, for his fox. sister um Mulder's real search for the truth beyond these um for, for these aliens you know he's he's really that's kind of his overarching thing and i and and every episode that pushes this this narrative forward has to do with aliens you only get you know maybe the first two episodes of a season an episode or two in the middle and then the last couple episodes might deal with these aliens but you don't see it a lot right in in the rest of it no you don't (laughs) no it's always you know yeah it's always strange strange weirdos you know and in episode three um we'll see uh, a man who's able to squeeze himself into very tiny spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's coming up. Um, Good episode. <laughs> we won't talk about that too much. Not yet. Um, but yeah, just the idea that, you know, the, the episode, the, the series is pushed by this uh, desire for belief in aliens. Yeah. The, yeah, I guess that's a good point because I do feel like I got, kind of carried away with the the subsequent episodes mm-hmm. in that there are just there's so many more there's so many more and it's everyday humans experiencing these weird things that are again unexplainable but mm-hmm. you kind of your your um sight of vision is kind of taken away from ufos mm-hmm. and aliens in the sky or coming down and beaming people yeah. to um i yeah i mean just being like this is a a crazy thing that just happened what what is this from like yeah. um and this this came to my mind like right near the end of finishing this episode that um uh, andrew and i both appreciate philosophy a, a good bit and i suddenly was i was trying to think like what it what is this this like Mulder and scully and how they work together and how they view facts and truth um how much are they similar how much are they different and then the school of athens painting came to mind Mm. which is if if you don't know it's really depicting um plato and aristotle in the school of athens and they're like it's a big painting and there's i've had the the joy and pleasure of seeing it in person (laughs) but the there's a lot of it's true oh man it was so great but there's a lot of people lounging on the steps and you can tell it's just a busy place. And then Plato and Aristotle are walking right down the middle of the painting towards you. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, yeah. And Plato is pointing up with like one finger and he's looking over at Aristotle side by, you know, they're walking side by side. And Aristotle has his fingers outstretched in front of him. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember when I was learning about this painting years ago in my undergrad from my philosophy professor, because um, the the Mulder and Scully characters to me kind of take on a Plato Aristotle relationship. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The idea that uh, Aristotle with his fingers out is saying, this is what we have. And right. Plato saying, pointing up saying, but what if there was something else? Right. And right? so really like exactly like Mulder is really Plato in this situation mm -hmm. because he's all concerned about the forms and he's like, Hey, like I'm saying, I believe in the idea mm -hmm. that aliens do exist. Yeah. And I don't have to explain it yet in the matter or even in my experience, though I do think that that, you know, he might believe that that is going to show itself. I mean, that's what he's looking for, but he's ultimately holding to the form of the yeah. aliens, mm -hmm. the idea of them. And then you have Scully who is, I love it. It's like you can just see her and 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 Mulder like being in an argument where she's like, yeah, but look, and she's got her hand stretched out. And she's mm -hmm. like, I'm telling you, like, here's the facts and here's the autopsy I just did. And yeah. it doesn't line up. And this is what matters because this is what I can see. Yeah. And this is what we have. Mm -hmm. So for those two things to come together is is great because, I mean, Aristotle had to stand on Plato's shoulders. Mm hmm. And they had their disagreements, but ultimately those two ideas had to work together. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know if I've ever told you sort of my pet thesis on, um, it's kind of facts versus truth. Okay. Um, this is something that I've, uh, tried to explain to, uh, my boss multiple times. Um, he's not really a philosopher type. Um, so I think maybe it's a little bit harder for him to sort of understand where I'm coming from, but the idea that facts and truth are two separate entities, so to speak. Um, almost like they occupy kind of a Venn diagram where maybe, maybe all facts are true, but not all truth is fact. Yeah. Um, but the idea that facts are truth, but with the, with a spin on it, you can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true, so to speak. Um, but you can skew facts. Facts can be, facts are mutable. Right. You know, let's say, you know, for instance, President Trump says something, President Trump says something, and you've got multiple news outlets spinning it their own way. Sure. You know, Fox News is saying, you know, oh, he said this and it's great. CNN saying, oh, he said this and it's terrible and he's a terrible person. But once you strip all all of that media bias or anything away, you strip the. You strip any of this external uh, factors away, you are given the truth, which is what was stated and the intentionality behind it. Mm hmm. And it's a, if it's, it's a different entity from facts, right? You know, right. a fact is a fact is too, it's too mutable. A fact is the truth, but if that right. makes sense. Yeah. It's the, it's the epistemological side of it. How do we make sense of this? We're going to like filter it down so that we have a fact that's yeah. been extracted from this. Mm hmm yeah, exactly. And I think that comes from every, I think that comes from the human experience. Yeah. Cause you've got, and you know, truth is like the truth is like the form mm -hmm. and facts are kind of like the, 
like the attributes or yeah the, yeah the if matter that makes itself. any sense yeah or well or that not the matter itself but it's yeah. it's being extracted from the matter right and from the attributes so maybe so maybe truth is the is the form and facts are the shadow mm-hmm. right right which could be skewed of course yeah Absolutely. i mean you know i mean let's say you're holding up a vase to these prisoners who and i mean it obviously requires a little bit of knowledge for knowledge about plato's theory of the forms yep uh or the cave rather mm-hmm. um but you see somebody's holding up the vase and you've got these extra parts, which are the arms holding up the vase. So you, you end up thinking, Oh, a vase looks like this. Mm-hmm. This is what a vase is. And then you find out, Oh, it's not, it doesn't have these extra parts because somebody was holding it up. Right. You know? Absolutely. Another good place to go for that kind of stuff. I was thinking of that with the Truman show. I was like, this oh, is yeah. very interesting to yeah. think about. We just only, watched that. Too. We just watched yeah. that to only grow up with one thing. And I think we all experience that as kids too, where you, you know, this is, this is what I think about this, or this is how I experience this. And then you go to college or something and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. No, that's not. It challenges your beliefs. It does so to speak. a yeah. lot. Um, yeah. Unless so. you go to a Christian college. <laughs> Uh, no it still does yeah you still have the the full range (laughs) yeah the full spectrum but um yeah we talked a lot about uh we talked a lot about theory sort of we um i mean we obviously referenced the episode quite a bit um but we talked a lot about theory and i think that's not to say that there's not a lot of substance in that first episode because there is yeah but it's all very cut and dry you know it's like these are these this is what we're presented with and this is sort of what we're going to be dealing with for the remainder of the series. Yeah. Right. Right. When you do want a little bit of that shock factor for the yeah. first episode and for, yeah. and yeah. for just shaking things up for Scully and, well, sure. and throwing your whole yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah. Into this. And like I said earlier, I mean, you're really getting the full scope of what the series is going to be about. You've get the, the discovery and you get the sort of, you're starting to demystify things. Mm -hmm. And then there's always, it always seems like there's inevitably some kind of sabotage where in the first episode, they've collected all of this evidence. They've got this dirt sample from the forest. Um, They've got the x-rays and the, the stuff from this strange being that seems to have mutated in the casket. Yeah. Um, And it's all gone. The, right. the corpse is taken from the coroner's office. Everything's destroyed. And you that's a reoccurring theme. Right. And a lot of a lot of episodes deal with this destruction of evidence. Yep. Yeah, there's the unseen mm-hmm. um force always against them. Like we yeah. haven't identified yet. And like the ending episode with um who's the guy in charge <laughs> who's taking taking the vial into the warehouse so the, he's he's called the smoking man the smoking so man. we are introduced right, right, right. very early Which on to the smoking man later. the cancer man who becomes much much a much bigger deal in season two right we don't see him quite as much in season one but he's introduced right yeah so they give you just enough to make out that 
you know, we're dealing with the smoking man and this, mm -hmm. uh, the government kind of working against everything that yeah. Mulder and Scully are trying to do. And that last scene is kind of takes you with him dropping off that vial to mm -hmm. this in this huge warehouse trying to put it with all these other vials there's like at least four or five other vials and he's adding yeah and it's all that one. same it's all that same sort of they call it a tracking device yeah that implant that scully found yeah. um inside the creature that was inside the casket mm -hmm. right yeah so um and then closes the door and you see it's uh the pentagon, it's the pentagon yeah. itself and you're like oh my word yeah Shit, this mm -hmm. isn't good <laughs> <laughs> yes there's a lot of intrigue happening yes here. Yeah. i love when they we've got a whole backstory to unfold later in the season mm -hmm. and the next i'm sure yeah because so. even even as deep as we are into season two we don't quite know who the smoking man is where he comes from what his station is but we know he's powerful right the smoking ones are always powerful. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Don't you think? Kind of the smoking gun yeah. a little bit. Maybe Scully should start smoking. <laughs> hmm. Maybe. No, I don't think so. I don't think it suits either one of them. No, no, of course not. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, uh, that's episode one, a little bit unpacked. We, uh, we talked a lot about sort of the, the outside, uh, theories behind a lot of things, but I like it. I think we yeah. had really good discussion for this one. Did you have any final thoughts with, I mean, you, you grew up with X-Files. No. You, or no. I didn't watch X-Files until I was a little bit, I didn't watch X-Files until I was already a man. Already a man. Um, I didn't watch X-Files until um, maybe, maybe late teens, early twenties actually. Eh. So, I mean, I was three when the show came I, out. So at I didn't this grow point, up. if I grew up with something, I would, it would, I would consider teens to be part of that. But, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, you've, you've watched it. Yeah. Um, you've had it in your life longer. So to watch the pilot episode again with me. Yeah. Did you, I don't know, like have any fresh perspective at all that, that you didn't notice before that you were kind of like, wow, this does it, does it kind of reaffirm your love of exiles and your, I can definitely say yes. I definitely, um, I feel justified in yeah. my, uh, enjoyment of the show. Yeah. Um, obviously Wholesome. on my first, yeah, obviously on my first watch through, I'm watching it purely for entertainment. Oh yeah. You know, I'm not thinking that, oh, down the line, I'm going to have a podcast that sure. deconstruct <laughs> X-Files with my girlfriend yeah. and it's going to be great. And she's going to be a first time watcher or whatever. Here I am. Um, here you are. Here I am. You know, kind of, we were kind of, I think, looking for this project to do together. This has been really fun to to throw ourselves into X-Files during COVID-19 because it's true. We do have a lot of time on our hands, yeah. but um, yeah, I love having a really good show to enjoy and to study. Yeah. I love, because um, like you said, there's a lot of substance. Yeah. There's really a lot of is. substance, but I, I love the, I love flexing my brain. My, I love critical thinking. Yeah. Um, and sort of, examining things from a lot of different perspectives right so i mean i'm glad to get your perspective from this and i'm glad to see it in ways that you saw it and that you know the enneagram is very applicable to this show you know i mean i didn't even know about the enneagram until i met you and now i'm seeing you know i'm seeing it from a lot of different perspectives i'm trying to deconstruct sure. everybody's motives and sort of getting getting idea of who they are and what they are yeah 
something I'd want to add to that too is I've had, um, so my family and I, or even just the brother I mentioned, he and I have been learning Enneagram for years. I mean, it's been a decade of it being in my life. Yeah. And um, I've had some friends when I've been sharing Enneagram with them or uh, watching films and, and bringing that up and being like, huh, I really see this number and this character. And there being a little bit of, um, of disagreement or them being confused and being like, Hey, so yeah, I'm understanding Enneagram enough, but can you really say that about like a character in a mm -hmm. show or in a movie? Yeah. I actually think this is my theory that, um, yes, you can, but I almost find it to be a really good test for the substance of a character in a film or yeah. in a TV show. If you can find that consistency to where I could say, yeah, I see this, I see a type five in Mulder yeah. because at the end of the day, the, yeah, like someone who's created this show or someone's created a, a movie with these characters, they need to be well thought out. They need to be, mm -hmm. you have to be thinking what is, what is the backstory? What are, what mm -hmm. are the fears? What are the desires? What are the, what is the ego of this character? And it needs to be consistent. And if it's not, yeah. then I could agree that maybe you can't type a, a certain character yeah. very easily, you know, but it was so obvious and so fresh as soon as we started watching and it's only gotten better and become so much, uh, so, so, um, so much more true, you know, yeah, it's really like proven itself. Well, I think it's also the mark of a good writer yeah, to create a character to create multiple characters um, following different types and are sticking to those types. Right. Because, I mean, I'm sure the show has had multiple different writers. Yeah. And to keep Mulder's five character consistent, to keep Scully's, we're, I think we're calling her a one, consistent. Definitely. Yes. Um, to keeping all of these characters consistent in their personality types. And I mean, obviously you've got outlier characters, you know, you've always got the town sheriff, you know, you've got yeah. these tertiary, you know, characters who maybe don't have to be as fleshed out. But as long as you're keeping the the main cast of characters consistent. Yep. I think you've distinguished yourself as a good writer. Right. Yeah. I would love to know how many they've had to go through. Mm -hmm. we well, yeah. And the show's gone through the show's gone through so many writers. Yeah. It's gone through, I think. I'm trying to think. I believe it's nine seasons in the original run. There were movies, at least one or two movies, and then two seasons way later, mm. like two seasons within the last five years. Sure. So um, I, I remember kind of watching it. The, the I think it was season 10 was like a six episode miniseries. And then I think season 11 was another full season. Yeah. So you've got, I mean, just being that far removed, that amount of time, people move on from writing on a series. Um, and then that far removed, you've got, you know, 20 years between nine and 10 and 11. Yeah. So you're bound to have different writers and different showrunners and different executive producers, all who have different ideas. And Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny are older. Yeah. And they have to sort of deal with what's being written for them versus the ideal 
in their mind about who Mulder and Scully are. They were them for so long, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for 10, for 10, 12 years, they were Mulder and Scully. Right. And they've got an idea of what they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to be acting, what they're supposed to be doing, what their character would believe and not believe. How would they, how they would react to things. Yeah. I really think the, their characters would really be my biggest push for this show because I was thinking about how, you know, we talk about, we've talked about elements of what makes a good film and just like, you need a good, you need a good plot. You need, you need good characters. You need character development. And it's, they're both there, but then you're dealing with a TV show where it might not have the overarching quality to it. And if the characters can be, you know, consistent and can develop well and be um, just really strong and interesting, then you've got yourself a show. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. So the 90s vibe is also pretty fun. 90s vibe is great. I'm grateful for it. I mean, we all loved Stranger Things. We all, 80s we all are jumped fine. into the 80s, 80s and good. we're happy that that existed, even though, Whatever. The, even though the subsequent seasons kind of let me down. But, but yeah, it is fun to like jump back especially when so much is being put out. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between something that's coming out now that's going for a feel, right? Yeah. It's it's stranger things is the example is going for an eighties feel, you know, they're trying to capture a moment in American, American history in particular that was so it's iconic. You go back and you, there's so many things that, that exist to try to capture the feel yeah. You know, it's which very, a, it's been very popular in the yeah, last 10 years, which I think in and of itself is a, a little bit of a challenge and is really interesting, but you're mm-hmm. right. Like this one comes yeah. straight out of the nineties. Yeah. This isn't going exactly. back to the sixties yeah. or something. No. It's, and, and yeah, there it's different watching something 30 years, basically removed right from this, you know, something that was out coming out when we were kids, right? Very, very young. Um, it's it's obviously the genuine article. So so let's say Stranger Things is fact versus the X Files truth. You know, <laughs> nice. You're you know they've got their own spin on it, and there's a lot of things like that that exist in modern media. You know, uh, yeah, things that are coming to mind. You know, Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, gosh. did you ever see that? I have not. Okay, well, it was very forgettable for me, but it tries to capture this moment of the 1980s. Mm. Um, Stranger Things tries to capture the 80s. It just comes off. I don't know about you, but it comes off as a a little bit disingenuous. For Stranger Things. For Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Because you are trying to capture that moment. You're intentionally making 80s. You're t- intentionally making it 80s as hell. Yeah. You and you're, you're treading on some uneven ground, too. It's hard because yeah. the... Um, that that's that was my qualm with the, the later seasons. Season two and three is it starts to feel like they're trying too hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you're Versus, almost putting all of your eggs in that basket. Of, yeah. Let's keep, let's keep with this 80s mm-hmm. vibe. Let's make it stronger. Everyone loves it. Yeah. But then they started to lose a lot of that character development and a strong plot. I started to feel like they were just running from one <laughs> corner of the set to another, mm-hmm. uh, trying to, you know, on their bikes and everything. I mean, we love it. I, I truly love Stranger Things season one. But it, yeah, you're right though. It's, it's a totally different beast. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be 
I guess you got to be really critical and keep asking yourself like, um, you know, what is this need? Because we don't just need to make sure that there's every hit 80s song showing up mm. in Stranger Things. Like that's not actually going to make it good. No. So. So. So uh, that kind of uh, answers my question uh, that I had for you. Uh, do you think the show holds up 30 years later? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's still worth watching. It's still worth talking about. We're not the only X-Files podcast in town, as we found out. Absolutely. You know? I, um, yeah. I actually, since we started watching this, I have asked almost every person. I've been like, have you seen this? Have you yeah. watched this? I mean, because I had heard of it, but just didn't grow up with it. Right. And. I, I feel like at least 50%, maybe 60% of the people I've talked to said they had. And every single time it was a positive reaction. Yeah. Um, it would be like, oh, yeah, oh, my gosh, I did. And my, I would watch with my grandma or mm. I don't know what. And, like, of course, there's the nostalgia. But um, I think it's fun to ask people uh, even... Uh, even when we were talking to Father Alex about that, mm -hmm. you know, like he he was major film podcasty guy, and he was just like, "Oh, that holds up majorly." Oh yeah, you know. Um, so it was it's been fun to ask different ages of people and different backgrounds if if they know anything about it. Sure. Some of them, I think, even just felt like they needed to revisit it because I was bringing it to their attention. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that that gem that that you re rediscover almost. Like, oh, yeah, that's back there. Yeah. We should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And I think that's so why. So we you will. Know. We'll keep watching yeah. it. I'm ready to watch the next yeah, episode. Yeah, I was going to say, I love talking to you about this. I love sort of examining this in sort of a uh, an, analytical, an analytical way mm -hmm. with you. So you want to keep doing this podcast with me? I do. I'm just going to need more hot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my I coffee ran out of coffee low myself. and it is cold. Dang. And just, you know, it's snowing. It's snowing here in uh, April, so. It's a nightmare. This was a good day for a podcast. was a good day for a podcast. Yeah. But, uh, so, what, so of episode, of episode one, season one, what do you, uh, what do you score this out of five? Ooh, do we do quarter ratings and half ratings? I don't like quarter or half ratings. Okay. Um, I want to be. You want to believe. You want to believe this is a five UFO I want, out of five. Actually, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. I want to believe that this is a five. I, I just, I needed a second to think that, you know, any TV show I've ever seen, the pilot episode. It's a bit rough. I mean, it, it's definitely, the acting's a little wooden. Yeah. Is it, am I, am I, am I wrong or am I right? No, I mean, you're, you are right. And it's, it's, I think I can easily give it a four though. Easily. Yeah easily a four not their strongest episode but no but but i think every but my 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 issue is always is everything here that needs to be here for the pilot episode yeah. like it's um i don't know if what the best comparison would be because i i don't think you could compare it to like a first chapter in a book i don't think it works like that no but i do think that there is an element of a strong element of how do we set this up yeah what do we want people thinking going into this what mm -hmm. first impressions do we want to give? Yeah. And and people grow. Yeah. Actors change. Writers, as we've discussed, change. Yes. Um, people, actors become more comfortable with themselves. You know, you're really, 
I mean, it's one thing Mulder and Scully who are getting to know each other more, but, but Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny uh, getting to know each other more and them understanding the writing material and them improving as actors. Yeah. Getting a little looser and being a little funnier. I think they get, yeah, they get pretty, uh, I find myself starting to laugh quite, yeah. a, quite a bit later on. Of course. But, um, so yeah. I don't I know. Think, give your rating though. Yeah. I think this is easily, uh, five tracking device up the noses <laughs> out of five, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I liked it a lot. Um, this is, this is different, you know, I mean, it is funny to watch TV shows grow. Yeah. Um, I'm such a big, it, it's so strange. I'm such a big Simpsons aficionado. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a different podcast for a different time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we watched an episode last night and I couldn't bring myself to show you the pilot because it is so starkly different from the Simpsons that I love. Uh, yeah. Season one, episode one is a very different show from season four, episode one. Yeah. They, it's almost like it's lived, the Simpsons has lived like three or four different lives. It's right. been going on for such a long time um, that it's a completely, it now is a completely different show from when, from where it was 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, it was a different show from where it was in the mid to late 90s. And that show is a completely different show from where it began. It's mm-hmm. life and the Tracy Ullman show is shorts. And then the first two or three seasons, mm-hmm. all extremely different shows. So I'm interested in continuing watching with this, watching this with you and seeing how that grows and going from there. I'm really excited. Yeah. A little bit longer of an episode today. I think we'll try to strive for more 30 minute episodes, but, uh, this also, I think, felt, I think we discussed this, but it felt like a longer episode. Oh, the first one deserves it. You know, yeah. we got to set it up. Well, got to give it credit. Yes, but the actual episode of X-Files itself yeah, felt a I little bit longer, I actually thought, too. I was looking at my watch, well, what's going on? This feels longer. Yeah. It does, and yeah. that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I think we lost a little bit of time. <laughs> so, very cool. All right, well, that's, that's episode one. That's episode one of our show. That's episode one of the X-Files. And, uh... I think we're just going to go episode by episode. Are you okay with that? Are we? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? I think thinking? either, I think either that, or I would maybe sooner, I think I would actually like hand selecting some of our mm, favorites Interesting. because there are a lot of the episodes and I think there are some that, that hold a lot more weight for me than others. Mm-hmm. Not that we couldn't, but yeah. it's just my thought. Sure. Well, We'll, uh, we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next episode. Yeah. All right. Until, until next time.